you want victory, you can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. Folks, my guest today is Dr. Jeffrey Johnson. He is a scholar. He is uh, a brother in Christ. And he's an author, and we're going to talk some about his latest book. Um, It is uh, a subject that is dear to my heart because so many of my uh, close friends are Jewish people who have come to know Messiah. And it has obviously transformed their life, just like it transforms the life of a Gentile who gets saved. So... um, you can't know Jesus and stay the same. But uh, brother, I want to thank you for coming on the broadcast. And I want to ask now that you share a bit about how this became a burden of your heart. Share a bit of your journey, how you came to know the Lord. And uh, and then we'll take it from there. Well, Jim, uh, it's a delight to be with you. And thank you for uh, the question. Um now, just a little bit of background. Uh, people say, well, Johnson, Israel Today Ministries, how does that work? Well, uh, my my mother uh, was of Jewish extract. Uh, mm-hmm. My father was Swedish. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to know what a Jewish Viking looks like, that would be me. <laughs> and uh, I, I came to faith uh, under the ministry of the famed... Uh, a Jewish evangelist uh, in the 20th century, a gentleman by the name of Feynman Appleman. Yes. Uh, yes. And uh, I had opportunity, uh, you know, years later to, for a period of time, be director of the mission he founded. Uh, I was in the pastorate for 17 years mm-hmm. and uh, working with Israel now for oh my goodness going on 25 years i suppose now and uh uh, it was first of all an academic ascent uh understanding uh the jewish roots of christianity our faith uh and then it became this very personal thing uh I was invited to join different uh organizations uh jewish organizations uh, working uh, in Israel mm-hmm. uh, and around the world, and uh, it started there. And I understand you, uh, I believe, if I read your bio correctly, you pastored in New England for a while. I did. Oh, I did. I was in, in the Boston suburbs as an associate pastor, and then my first church as pastor was on Cape Cod. No, well, somebody has to do that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> One of those things. Oh, man. Well, I had opportunity uh, to pastor in Mansfield, Mass., sure. uh, just, just south of Boston, as you know. And 
uh, it was during that time that this academic ascent became a very personal calling. Mm -hmm. And uh, basically, long story short, uh, as I was pastoring, I sent out letters. This was before email. But uh, I asked I asked great men whom I uh, respect from Dallas Seminary, Moody, Southwestern, places like this, great mm-hmm. seminary, uh, an idea of basically replicating what Hyman Appleman uh, started, but adding the practical aspect of humanitarian relief. Uh, because the need is great in Israel, mm-hmm. and your listeners may not be aware of that. And and Jim, if I may belabor just for about 30 seconds more on this, is that there in Israel, a country of 9 million or so, uh, today there are one, uh, there, there's 1.1 million children in Israel below the poverty level. And in terms of the Holocaust survivors, which there are about 160,000 or so in Israel, you have anywhere, it depends on who you read, uh, between 45 to 50,000 Holocaust survivors impoverished, about one in three. And, and, and the statistic is true with the children, about one in three. And uh, th- we stand in the gap there and we provide food. This is what we do. And that opens the doors uh, for us to uh, uh, to share what we believe mm-hmm. and uh, to share the gospel. And that's that's how this thing unfolded. And here we are. Yes. Now you're um, you are for our listeners. You are Jewish because your mother is Jewish. And in Judaism, if your mom's Jewish, you're Jewish. If your dad's Jewish and your mom is Goyim, then uh, you may identify as Jewish and that will be accepted, but it's not automatic. No, sir. That is absolutely correct. And, you know, it works for me, uh, especially in, in the Middle East. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, and I'm trying to be careful what I'll say here. But, you know, Paul says, uh, you know, I appeal to Caesar. I'm a Roman citizen. What's, mm-hmm. what's beautiful uh, Pastor Jim, is that uh, when I'm with Jewish people in Israel, I tell them, you know, uh, Ima uh, was Yehudia, you know, Shelly Yehudia. And, and, and it's all hugs, kisses, you know. When I'm with um, Muslim communities, uh, and, and especially if they're more radical, uh, I, I don't tell them that. Yeah. What I tell them is my father was uh, Swedish, a, a Viking, and you know, they beat their chest and, and we get along just fine, you know. So I use that advantage on, in both communities, you know. Yes. Uh, on a much less impressive scale, I was born right outside Chicago. And lived in the Chicago area until I was seven years old. Then we moved to North Carolina, and I grew up in North Carolina. So I am, depending on who I'm meeting with, able to relate because, yes, I was born in the Midwest. Or, yes, I I understand what y'all are going through because I grew up in North Carolina. So there is that desire to build bridges, and God built that into your DNA in a very nice way. Yes, sir. um, but 
uh, Hyman Appleman, that's a name I hadn't heard in years, but I remember him and was introduced to his work in my boyhood. My father uh, was a pastor and, uh, and had very high regard for Hyman Appleman. And both my parents had a tremendous burden for Israel. And of course, I was born after uh, Israel had been reborn as a nation. Yes. But uh, we started counting down the time before the Lord's return <laughs> with 1948 being the key. Yes. And, of course, my parents certainly expected the Lord to come back in their lifetime. And uh, mom died at age 99 and uh, dad died at 87 and a half. And of course, now they've seen the Lord. Yes. But, um, but the expectation was things were falling into place. And so in 1967, all the more like, okay, here we go. Um, you get a six-day war, and we watched with rapt attention uh, before the war started, uh, all the condemnation of Israel at the UN and the surrounding nations saying, we're going to wipe you out. We're yes. going to drive them into the sea. I mean, just one thing after another, they were about to attack. And then when God gave victory to Israel, the surrounding nations were saying, how... We didn't do anything. We didn't. <laughs> so, you know, I was excited. 73 rolled around and they've regained the city. And it's like, yes, yes. Thank you, Lord. Surely, surely, Lord, mm -hmm. the time is near. And I've concluded, obviously, we don't know exactly how all that's going to go down. But I do know that every time these things happen and it falls into place, it's like, Okay, it's nearer now than it was before. And I see in retrospect that this is exactly the way God said it was going to be. You are helping people do something that is even more important by seeing from Scripture that's all about Jesus. Yes. Everything, everything points to him. Yes. So talk with us a bit about that and the way that your book helps people to see that pattern that runs all through the Scriptures pointing people to Jesus? Wow, great question, sir. Great question. Um, first of all, regarding last day things, uh, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, what's fascinating, I tell people, listen, uh, don't, uh, there, there is a propensity to, you know, uh, you know, those who set dates. I said, don't, don't, don't set dates. Um, <laughs> because of, you know, the Lord says no one knows the day or the hour. And if someone perchance chose that date, and if I were God, I would change the day. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, yeah, so don't set dates, you know, but what, what the Lord does say, and then I'll, I'll speak to the book, what the Lord does say he said, you know, because, you know, the disciples came to him, Lord, tell us when these things will be, mm -hmm. well, sign of your coming and the end of the age and all of that. And basically, it, it's it, it, when you look at Matthew 24, uh, the Lord says a lot. To, uh, there's a couple of Talmudic phrases he, he, he references. He says, uh, you, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, and there will be false messiahs and this and that. He says, but the end is not yet. The wars mm -hmm. and rumors wars is tribal conflict. It's the Middle East, after all. You have tribe against tribe, and it's still true today. You have Hamas, you have Hezbollah, you have Jihad. You, know, you have all these various fragmented entities. But then the Lord did a paradigm shift 
to another Talmudic phrase. He says, however, uh, there will be a time when nation will be against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and then there will be famines, pestilence, earthquakes, and all of this. And what he, what the shift is, is a global reference. And then you look at what the Lord said, and then compared to what the prophet said in the Tanakh, being the end days that Israel will go back uh, and be restored. It's a progressive restoration. They don't have all the land promised to them, uh, but one day they'll they'll have it all. So you put all this together, and when when did the world see global conflict, global hunger, global famine, disease, all of this? The 20th century, uh, we, we began to see these things. And, of course, the restoration of Israel. And the Lord says, when you see all of this, look up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> your redemption is near. But with all of that said, you know, the world is progressively uh, becoming worse and worse and worse. And we understand this. Paul says, in the last days, perilous times will come. Uh, and if you look at the meaning of that, he, he's referencing demonically fierce times. And so there's an increased activity, uh, you know, of demonic activity. There's global crisis, global upheaval, wars, you know, uh, all famine. You know, we just came out of a pandemic. And this was the motivational impetus to write this book. Mm -hmm. And the, the hope that we have is found in, in the Messiah, in, yes. Israel, in Jesus. And so... With with the book, we, we begin, you know, right out of the box on God creating man and woman, and he blew into them, uh, into his nostrils, Adam's nostrils, uh, the breath of life, he became a living soul. And from that moment forward, everything we address in, in the Old Testament, the first covenant, the Tanakh, all the way to the new covenant, the Brit Atashah, the new, new Testament, we, we just build this bridge from the creation of man all the way uh, until what happens when you breathe your last breath. What is our hope? And, and the hope is found in Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. So in this world of despair and fear and confusion, an incredible amount of anxiety and anger, everything's upside down. Exactly the way the scriptures stated that this would occur. So this book is meant, and, and it has, and I, I praise the Lord for this. I'm humbled by this, Pastor. We have received emails and phone calls and texts saying, oh my, you know, thank you, Dr. Jeff, for writing this. So, and that, that was the goal, to bring comfort to remind us as believers that our hope is found in him, not in empires, not in, you know, munitions, but in him. Amen. Amen. You clearly, and I've seen others interview you, you clearly have a strong confidence, a biblical confidence in the sovereignty of God. Amen. As crazy as things get here on this planet, None of this yes. is surprising God. I remember Corey Ten Boom saying, there's never a panic in heaven. 
No. You know, God is not sitting there wringing his hands and saying, oh, I'm going to have to come up with a solution. Oh, man. Everything is under his control. That doesn't mean that God is the author of sin. Doesn't mean that God causes people to do evil things. It means that God not only knows what's coming, but he is working all of this together for good. And you go back to the story of Joseph, who learned that lesson in his own life mm. through great hardship, yes. and yet was able to comfort his brothers who had so abused him. Look, don't be concerned about this anymore. You meant it for evil. God meant it for good. Likewise, the crucifixion. Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost, and he says, you did this, but it was according to the foreknowledge and plan and purpose of God. Yes. God is not the one causing people to do bad things, but God uses everything. Nothing is wasted. Mm -hmm. And he uses everything to accomplish his purpose. And that is Amen. a mystery, but that is a comfort. Yes, it is. Thank you for saying that. You're absolutely right. You know, a lot of things the Lord does, obviously, is mysterious. And you know what? Evangelicals, uh, especially in the West, in the United States, North America, we have difficulty with mystery because we want everything in a box, you know. Yes. <laughs> and and Augustine said, listen, man, if, if you define God, if you understand God, it's not God. It's something we created, you know. It's an idol. Yeah, but you know what's what's beautiful? God is sovereign, and Satan, you know, there are those that believe that Satan's in complete control. No, no, he's on a leash. He only does, you know, read the book of Job. God said, okay, you can do all this, but don't do that, you know. Uh, but listen, I, I always remind people, if we're truly going to follow Jesus, yes, uh, it will cost you something. And not in every pulpit, obviously, but in today's Christian culture, quote unquote, mm -hmm. there is, you know, come to Jesus and all will be well. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that, that, is, that is absurd. Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation, but be a good, yeah. I've overcome the world. But I always point uh, people to Isaiah 40, uh, verse 13. God says, I, I, I will take you by the hand. Uh, basically, he's saying, I'm going to walk with you. Mm -hmm. I'll take you by the hand. Uh, do not fear. I will help you. Amen. And, 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 and he's talking about reaching out his right hand and taking our hand. And I always point re people to the story of Peter, who got out of the boat, you know, and the other disciples were in the boat, what's he doing? You know, I it's a ghost, but it was the Lord walking on the water. And you've heard the sermons. Um, Peter walks on the water and then he sinks. Well, good night. I would sink too, man. I'd freak out over those waves. And but then you have where the Lord reached out his hand, similar to what Isaiah said, and he pulled Peter back up. And in the sermons, you hear emphasized, uh, you know, oh, ye of little faith is kind of a shame based thing. But that isn't the point. You tell your grandkid or your, your 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 child, don't stick the thing in the socket. And they do. They get zapped a little bit, and you put your hands on your hips saying, I told you, don't do that. You know, it's it's just that hurt, didn't it? You know. But 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 what's beautiful, the Lord reached out his hand, pulled Peter up. What you don't hear 
is that Peter and the Lord walked back on the water to get to the boat. Amen. And it's not recorded for us what was said, but I would have loved to have heard the conversation of Peter and the Lord walking together, the Lord holding his hand on the water as they got back into the boat. And isn't that what the Lord says, that what I whisper in your ear at night, shout it from the rooftops. He comforts us. He talks to us. Uh, he holds our hand. And he says, don't be afraid. I got you. Sir. Amen. Jesus isn't wanting us to sink. He's no. not wanting us to go under. He's not wanting to see us hurt. No. And he is right there as we're seeking to do what he's told us to do. Yes. Right there with us. You know, there, there's there's a section in, in, in the book, Hope Rising, uh, where I address Psalm 91, which is a, just a phenomenal psalm. I, when, when I assign my correspondence, I always say, Shalom and blessings until he comes. We are together under his wings. And then I'll sign it Psalm 91. Mm-hmm. And Psalm 91, it's replete with comfort and encouragement and it was originally called the Song of Plagues, and, and I was encouraged to write something about that during the pandemic when that hit, and basically the chapter was sent out to our constituency, and we got a lot of positive feedback and all from that. But what I, I'm, I'm reminded of, it, when the, you don't have to be afraid when the arrows fly by day. Now, he was, it wasn't talking about literal arrow, arrows. It was talking that demonically fierce, a demonic force, that bad thing that happens to you. And what people would do when the enemy came or when the plague came, the bad thing happened, they would run to the temple, try to get behind the walls of the temple to get as close to the, you know, as much as they possibly could to the Shekinah glory that was hovering over uh, the mercy, uh, the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat and, and, and the Holy of Holies. And Paul addresses that in this respect. He said, listen, believer, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh. And today, when the bad thing happens, and if you you live long enough, the bad thing will happen. And if you follow the Lord, there's going to be difficulty. Yes. That thing happens. We don't have to run to a physical place. Because our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. All we have to do is when the bad thing happens, cry out, reach up, as it were. And as you say, Pastor, and immediately the Lord will take us by the hand, as it were. Amen. That's the hope that we have. Oh, my goodness. That, that is a comfort. We don't have to understand everything, why this happened or that happened, because we don't have all the answers. God has all the answers. And maybe there are some things that we will never understand this side of heaven. And that is okay. Amen. Yes, well, brother, I am so grateful for the ministry that God has given you, not only uh, in Israel, but here in the States and, and ultimately around the world. And I'm so thankful that it is a part of what God is doing. Uh, God is the one who has raised you up. God is the one um, who brought you to himself and who put this burden on your heart when you were a pastor. 
and he's the one who has blessed your ministry. So uh, I thank the Lord for that. Again, folks, the book is Hope Rising. The author, Jeff Johnson, has been with us today, and uh, we want to commend it to you. I hope that you'll be blessed by it. I was delighted to find that uh, Dr. Jeff is also one who appreciates my college professor, Dr. Marvin Wilson. And uh, he has recommended uh, Dr. Wilson's book, Our Father Abraham, to many people. And I recommend it to you as well. But uh, thank you so much, Jeff, for being with us. And may the Lord bless you. What a delight being with you, Pastor. And may the Lord bless you in profound ways. Shalom and blessings, my friend. Thank you. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.